Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor Alex Barefoot will bring our message. Let's listen in. Good morning. My name is Alex Barefoot, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eastside Church. It's glad to have you here. Everybody said amen. amen. If you got your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 2. You can put your finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can also put your other finger in John chapter 21. We're going to kind of hit on those things. I've got a message this morning that I kind of preached about a year ago, I think, similarly. And uh, I can't get away from this whole idea. And so, and so I'm back, kind of back at it just to remind us, I think it was in the beginning of the pandemic that, um, that I spoke this word. And, um, God, it's just so relevant. One of the things I want you to see from this, by the way, before I get started, I'm, I'm, I'm about to just jump in with both feet. JP's got an album or a song he's going to release next week. Is that right, JP? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. It's called Close to Your Heart. So close to your heart, you might want to make a note of that. He's, it's, it's breaking loose next week at some point. That's going to be cool. I know Michael's working on some stuff too, so we're going to have some stuff coming out of here that's going to be a blessing to, to you. I want to welcome those that are watching online this morning as well. Uh, good to have you here. So, so as I begin to talk about the, 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 the Word of God this morning, it, it is so vital that, that we get everything in context. And, and, and oftentimes what we do uh, when it comes to the Bible, and I hear people talk about the Bible, is we, we, we give it, it has this... Um, it has this atmosphere or this attitude when we look at it. I mean, I went by a church sign the other day, and it was the Bible opened up, and it said its advertisement was such and such Bible church. And when I drove by that sign, I got an immediate feeling about that church. Anybody ever else? New King, uh, uh, King James Version only, you know, down below. Got this, got this image of what they were about, right? So when I read Scripture, I've got to recognize the fact that Jesus is talking to the church. And, and the church is individuals, but it's also a body. We're going to look in Revelation chapter 2 where he addresses the churches. And what I want you to recognize is, is that in this, in this uh, council culture environment where people are wondering whether church is even, you know, even something that we ought to be doing collectively you know, in a, in a corporate setting, you have to understand that when Jesus is writing about end times, what he's writing to and who he's writing to is not an individual. It is a corporate gathering in the end times. So don't let anybody convince you that there's no need for the corporate gathering anymore. Because Jesus thinks there is. And everything in Scripture, except for a few books, are written to the church collectively. And when Jesus even brings correction here in Revelation chapter 2, he's going to do it collectively. In other words, he's going to say, this is what you're doing well, church. You're doing this well, but this I have against you. 
Now, do you think everybody in the church had that problem? Or do you think it was just this thing that this church was putting out? Right? They, they had this reputation, the same thing that, you know, I had, I had this image in my mind's eye of what that sign meant and what this church was about, what they stood for. This is what they stand for. You know, they, these are, this, is their, this is their M.O., so to speak. You know, the charismatic movement gets a lot of that M.O. stuff. You know, this is what they're about. But the important thing that I want us to take away from this is when Jesus is writing to the church, the last book in the Bible, the, the, the thing that, we're, that we uh, are getting from Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is that he, he loves the church. He loves the church. He loves the corporate gathering. And he corrects it as a whole. In other words, anytime he deals with something, he's dealing with it as a whole. How many of you know that, that this is not written to unbelievers? It's written to believers. God doesn't talk to unbelievers in the sense that he talks to believers who are then supposed to talk to unbelievers. That's evangelism. He wants, he wants us to put off an M.O. He wants to put us to put off a message that looks like him. And he brings correction to the church. He says, this you're doing well, church. Collectively, you're doing this well. But you've got some things going on inside of you. You're putting off some vibes that don't look like me, that don't respond like me. And, and, and collectively, you've got to change how people perceive you. How, how many think it's important that the church changed how the world perceives us. Right now we're probably in the midst of, of the most transforming time in the church, in, in my mind's eye. And we're moving from a place of entertainment to whether it really matters the vibe that we're putting off because people are, are way turned off by the church as a whole. They're, they're kind of just like so many or just like, I'm done. Why? I would suggest that they're all in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. But let's read Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus right now, listen. I didn't get very far before I interrupted, did I? <laughs> that, that, who is he talking to? He's talking to the pastor. He's talking to the teacher. He's talking to the one who's bringing the message. And this is Jesus, the resurrected Christ, that is talking. He is bringing the correction. Now, at Eastside Church, we have a lot of different teachers that are, have been teaching. How, how about the messages over the last weeks? They have been absolutely unbelievable. Now, listen. This is what I want us to understand. This is a message from Jesus. Brock's message last week was a message from the Lord. He, Brock was the angel of the church. He was the messenger of God to the church so you could do what? So he could change your M.O. 
so you could connect with what God was saying. It wasn't just about going to church. He was the angel, the messenger of God so that we could become more like him. Why? Because the world needs us to become more like Jesus. The world, we, 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 we need to be corrected. That is called edification. The Lord edifies us. He corrects us. He helps us transform into his image. And that's, that's the mission of the church is to show people the image of Christ. We are the image of God. Even unbelievers are the image of God. Because we were all created in the image of God. Some are just alive to his way and some aren't. All right. That's enough. Ephesians. To the, to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write this. These things says he, capital H, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you could not bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. I mean, that is like right now on, is it not? It's like right now on. I mean, if you think this thing's out of date, just check and look around. And you have uh, persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Those are good things. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, turn around, go back, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you, ha uh, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In the next verse, I just want you to hear or see. You, you need to go home and read about the next church because the next church, he actually says, you're going to be, you're going to be persecuted severely. This is, this, is, this is Brandon's message a few weeks ago. You're going to be persecuted severely, and you're going, to, you're going to be imprisoned for 10 days. And then what I want you to do is I want you to endure until you die. And then when you die, glory, because I'm going to bring you in to the, let you eat from the tree of life. So there's this, there's this prophecy that things aren't going to go just perfect. Brandon, as, as you go. So all these messages have this, this thing on them that says, this is where Eastside Church is. This, is. this is what I'm trying to do in you collectively. And he says, what I want you to do is return to your first love. So when I start thinking about 
you know, Jesus writing to the churches. He's not writing to individuals. He's writing to a corporate gathering. He writes to the overall church, knowing that the Bible is written in that way, except for Timothy. And even Timothy, you know, it's, it's written to an individual, but it is for the whole church. What Jesus says is that I want to partner with you, Eastside Church. I want to walk with this church, and I want to deal collectively with your problems. You cannot do that out of fellowship. It is impossible for God to accomplish the task at hand out of fellowship. We need each other to be transformed because there are gifts in this room that are unique expressions of, of the glory of God. And we need each other so that we can become better there are things that you have that i need i need to hear you because i need to change the way i think because the way i think doesn't align with heaven like what you just said or what you practice and so i, I need to be aware of that it just it just works out that way and so jesus calls us back and he calls us back to this place that i think is so unique but before I get there, I want to just point out a couple things, and these are just practical. This is just practical stuff about how to be a believer. You know, we're so interested in great communicators that sometimes we forget about it's just leadership. It's just walking with people, right? That's what church is. It's walking with people. It's not this stuff. We, we do it this way, but it is just relationship. It is, it's giftings, relationship. And, that, and I love what we're doing as far as the speakers are going because we're getting so many different personalities involved. But we had somebody leave this church a year or so, two years ago, three years ago, or something like that, because, because I made a reference that he could actually disappoint God. And he said he never disappointed God. And I was like, wow, man, that's, that's a cool, feel-good theology, but I believe you can. And he was just like, no, it's all under the cross. Jesus took care of all those disappointments. So God didn't, didn't, didn't see my disappointments anymore. And you go, uh, wait a minute. This is the resurrected Christ. And he's saying, this is what I've got for you. This is, this is what you need to be improved. I'm not going to hold this against you. This doesn't bring you in or out of hell. But I do see it. And I want it changed. Because you, you're not emulating, you're not emulating me like you could. And so, you do this. And if you refuse to, then I'll just... Remove your influence. That's what he says. And that, that it's a corporate thing, and that also applies to you and me because we're individuals. It applies to us in our, in our ministries outside of this place, which is what you do, right? You're a minister of the gospel. And so... <coughs> And so Jesus says, uh, I want you to turn to that, return to that first place. And that first place was love. Now, now, in my mind's eye, and I hope it is in yours, 
In my mind's eye, that first place, that love place, is when I realized that he loved me so much, even while I was still a sinner, that he died for me. He was willing to die for me. Robert Britt read this this week. He, he just encouraged me with Isaiah chapter 53, where it says he did it, and, and nobody paid and it. Nobody paid him attention or gave him attaboys or, you know, it, there are times we get weary when we do, do, do the things that we think God is telling us to do and there's, and there's no good response. And, and he read me at the end of Isaiah 53 and, and that really that's what Jesus did is in the midst of persecution, he went ahead and loved us to the cross. And, and he died for us so that we could be his image bearer so that he can empower us to be like him. He doesn't write to the, to the unbeliever. You do. I do. And he's saying, what you're writing doesn't look like me well. So, do this. You know, when I'm thinking about love, I think about, you know, I think about how much he loved me and how much he forgave me, but I was immediately struck with the fact that if he forgave me in the midst of my ignorance, how many have ever felt that way before the Lord? Boy, I'm stupid. <laughs> Thank you, God, for forgiving me and my stupidity. If you haven't felt that way, you're not saved. And then he says, so, now you go forgive others like I forgave you when they don't deserve it. <laughs> Immediately, it's all at the same time. This, this place of love that I'm supposed to emulate. Return to that place. Why? Because love is a conqueror. Love conquers a multitude of sin. Love conquers. Love is victorious. Love has power. You put a little kid on the ground. I, I laugh because I called Vula one time. He was at the beach. This was when Philip was real little. And I said, hey, man, you having fun? You know, and he, he was a new dad, you know. And, and he says, eh, it's all right. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean it's all right? You're at the beach. You're on vacation. He goes, yeah, yeah. It's not the same, though. I was like, what? He says, well, I'm just following Philip around trying to keep him from killing himself. <laughs> right? What would a mother do to protect a child from running out into the street into traffic? She would lay down her life. That's what love does. Love lays down his life for his friend. Love is powerful. It conquers. Jesus says, come back to this place of understanding what agape is, what love really is, and begin to be my image of that love. Because that has the power to change things. You've got to love like I love. You know, it's really interesting to me. 
why I told you to put your hand in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because that is in the midst, 1 Corinthians 13 is in the midst of the spiritual gifts. In 12, you've got all these spiritual gifts that are supernatural, and then and in 14, it just reiterates, starts right off, reiterating, the, you know, prophecy and the, and the, the ability to, 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 you know, to uh, prophesy the Word of God, to bring the Word of God today, the now Word of God, you know, it, it, it just moves in that. And in the middle of that is this love chapter that we always use for weddings. And it was never intended to be a wedding deal. What was it intended to do? It's intended to say that you cannot operate in the supernatural and not be a clanging symbol unless you do it with love. You can't operate. You can't be a kingdom example. You can't be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit and, uh, and avoid the love of God and do it in any way that's going to be effective. It says, you got to love like God loves. How do you do that? I can't do that. Can you do that? Not without the power of God. It's relationship with Jesus that makes that even doable. You can't do it without Christ. You can't do it without a, a, a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Return to your first love. Return to your first love. What's interesting to me, John chapter 21, is it's about Peter and Jesus meeting on the beach for breakfast. You, you remember the story? If you don't, it's in John chapter 21. Go find it this afternoon when you get home. It's an incredible story. What we always do is we theologically digest this thing and we come up with these three love words were different and da 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 da, da. But what about the persons that are in the story? You know, all those things are good and they're very intellectual and you can come up with some great preaching on that kind of stuff. But really, you're talking about two people. One of them who disappointed Jesus in his most horrific hour who let him down tremendously when Jesus needed him most. And Jesus actually knew that he was going to do it. One of the most powerful times I had in Israel when I went was I walked down on the beach, and it's where they believed that Jesus and Peter had breakfast. What's interesting about this is, is that Jesus says, You want to return to your first love, Peter? But he said it like this, do you love me, Peter? Why did he ask Peter if he loved him? Because Jesus knew that if he could bring Peter back to his first love, that it could conquer anything. That he, if he could get Peter to understand who he was in God, then, then Peter had a chance. What I want to encourage you today with is there, there's so many fence-sitting, unengaged people who call themselves Christians. 
they come to church and they sit and they, they really never converse. They let everybody else converse with God. But there's never really any, any movement toward God other than I'm just going to go to church. And that's their movement toward God. And let me just tell you, I think Jesus will remove your influence if that's who you stay. I think what Jesus is calling us to in this time is a church that will be bold in coming to him will be bold in their dependence upon him, being empowered by him so that they can actually change a culture where there is a bright light that is no longer hidden underneath a bushel, that it is actually pure and spotless because it's depending on Jesus. So he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Now here's the thing that... That, you know, back to this, I want to challenge you with, you've got to step in there. You know, Peter didn't just go. It wasn't emotionalism. Everybody's scared of emotionalism. Try to engage intimately with your wife without emotion. It's what the Godhead is supposed to mean. It's what marriage really is. It's, it's the relationship between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this intimate relationship that God wants with his bride that he requires. And he's not going to let you just sit there. He's going to make you step into it. And those who step into it are the ones who actually reap the blessing. We, we just want the blessing, but we don't want to engage God, embarrass ourselves, put ourselves out there, humble ourselves before our God. We want to just kind of sit back in the shadows and reap the blessings. And God just says no. He, he didn't do that with Peter. Peter's in his most, he, he, he believed. I mean, Peter walked on water. He, he raised people from the dead. I mean, he, he did some pretty miraculous stuff. After the baptism, he did pretty miraculous stuff, but he still walks on water with Jesus. He's seen some pretty miraculous stuff, and he disappoints Jesus bad. Have you disappointed Jesus since you believed? How many? You disappointed Jesus since you believed? Me too. Last week. <laughs> Maybe today. <laughs> It's, it's highly possible if I open my mouth. <laughs> what are y'all laughing at? <laughs> and in that condition, Jesus requires movement. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me? And he even changed the feeling of it. But I'm not, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is engagement. Jesus engaged Peter. Do you love me? Yes. Required a response. 
You know I do. And after the third time, Peter gets annoyed, it says. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Mm. Passion. Passion. Emotion. I'm engaged. I'm fully engaged. Now, go do what I called you to do. Go do ministry. Uh-oh, that's exactly right. And I'm with you. That's really good. You know what he does next? Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. And you know what he says? I'm, this is what he's saying. I'm going to give you another chance not to deny me. Call. Don't give you another shot. You can, you're going to be victorious. How? Love conquers everything. It conquers everything. And he calls the church to return to the love of God and don't operate without it because you can't be a good image bearer lest you do. And I'm afraid that on Facebook and all the social media platforms that the church is not a very good image bearer for those who are called by his name because he says, you hate what the Nicolaitans hate, and I hate that too. But the call is still to return to love. You can hate it, but you still got to love like I do. For I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love like that. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can't produce. Father, in the name of Jesus, teach us to love. Help me love, God. Help me realize, God, that I'm incapable of loving like you without you. But you gave me your spirit so that I could do exceedingly abundantly above all I could imagine or think. Father, I can love like you. You tell me, Lord, to love my enemy. We just heard it just a few weeks ago. Love my enemy. And those that we say are our enemies, they're really not our enemies. But even if you call me to agape them, love is patient. Love is kind. 
Love keeps no record of wrong. Jesus, I want to engage. I want to engage. When you ask me like you ask Adam, where are you, Alex? When you ask each one of us, where are you? You're asking us so that we would know where you see us be and what you would do differently so that we can be good image bearers. So, Father, let us not be scared to say, Lord, where am I? Show me where I am, God. If there's any wicked way, shine your light on me, God. If there's any wicked way in me, Lord, reveal it to me so that I can be a good image bearer. Because I know, Jesus, that that is true evangelism. It's seeing those who have a need and meeting that need. It's, it's loving like you love because you're the provider. You meet needs, Jesus. You're slow to anger, rich in mercy. You're, you're patient, God. Lord, I pray for the church in the United States of America. I ask you, God, that we'd have revelation, God. I pray that, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would come to our senses. We'd come to our senses, God. That we'd realize we're never going to meet a single person by argument. We're never going to argue anybody in the kingdom. What we can do, though, God, is be love bearers. Teach us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Why don't we stand? Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.